0: Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the
2: club. Gaspacho Police. Oh my God! What a stupid bitch. He believes that it's a
0: woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Diana Aura Sucker! Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Better Sub Podcast where C-Span meets the group chat, tell you process and laugh at the biggest topics in US news and politics. Happy, happy Monday. How was your weekend, Sammy? You know, it was it was a good it was a good weekend. I was pretty every, was, every time I ask, it's funny because I was like uh, there's always like a, a, a conditional, uh, you know, yeah, considering. This one was
2: okay. I was good. um, I was definitely it was definitely a more social weekend. I had made a lot of plans. Um mm. And I got a new, I got a uh, hydroponic garden. My <laughs> Thrilling. delivered. Thrilling. And, um, you know, I hung out with everyone's, you know, our favorite newscaster, Emily in your phone. So, Oh, awesome. Was she in the city? She she was. So oh, we had fun. a nice little dinner and we talked about the stuff.
0: Good. You know? I want to hear what you guys thought. Last yeah. I, had a, I had a phone <laughs> chat with her recently too. And it's just like, it's, there's. It's very um, cathartic to talk to other women who do this very precise like niche that we do at this very chaotic time, especially at a time, and I'm sure you talked about this, where it's like, who's in charge here? Who are we following? Is it us? Do we just have to take the lead? Are we just going to do it? I think we might. (laughs) Yes, totally. I mean, I think like, what's
2: something that I do really appreciate is that you know, other than the sort of you know conventional news spaces, there have been obviously like new newsy outlets mm-hmm. popping up. And I, I almost am hesitant to call it news because I don't want to like burden people with the um, standards of like fact checking. Well, uh, that's not what I mean. Like, you know, there's a no, certain- No, I know what you mean, yeah. Like, uh, you know, NBC or the New York Times is obligated to cover the news. But I think that there's something really important in having it sort of, having these smaller communities where you can kind of find your niche And it's like an entryway to knowing what's going on. And I just love that that has proliferated across the internet and across social media and Instagram. And that is, I think, one of the best things that has come out of social media.
0: Me too. But I'm really nervous that like, I do feel like the word abortion is getting suppressed, like across some platforms. Like, I don't know, like we'll see like depressed story views, or it's like if you put it in a TikTok, like your TikTok will not surface. So I've just had to find like cute ways around it, like just referring, just not even referring to it, which is like part of the problem anyway. Like I usually complain on this podcast that nobody says abortion, abortion enough. So I'll, but you know what, just there's a such a critical mass of like creators on TikTok and Instagram that are talking about it and sounding the alarm that at this point some of it's gonna get through.
2: Yes. Yes. I think, um, you know, we're going to see another wave of engagement. But again, like, you know, that that doesn't guarantee getting what we what we want, let's say.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking today about like the sort of cycle of, of like rage around these things and, you know, something happens and then we get really angry and then there's an action and then it either passes or it fails or it's like I feel like. I, I envision us, and it's like the sort of like you are here, and we're at that moment where it's like the app. Apath- the we might start to get some enthusiasm wane, but we're in that moment where we like have to really like keep it going through November. You
2: know, I think we actually passed the apex about a week mm-hmm. and a half ago, and we'll get into why I why I think that you and I discussed Ooh. this a, a week ago or at the end of last week that it really only took a few days for you know the the progressives and liberals to sort of come to a head within, within the context of these issues. But I don't know. I feel like the, the news has a peak outrage cycle of around five days, but Mm -hmm. I do think that the constant cadence and the rolling of these cycles has actually caused like some people to just stay engaged. Mm -hmm. And now before they knew it, they're engaged, they're engaged in the news. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's not, like, a good thing, so... Right, we can talk right, about, right. We can talk more about that,
0: yeah. Yes, definitely. Uh, well, I was going to start with some things that, uh, that brought us joy this weekend. What was your reaction to hearing the news that Elon Musk has pulled out of his deal to buy Twitter? Surprise, surprise. I mean, we dedicated, like, four episodes to this, and, of course, <laughs> he's not doing it.
2: Well, it's funny because he... Twitter's now, like... Calling his bluff, and they're like, "Well, we're ready mm. to take the forty-four mil- billion dollars that you mm-hmm. promised us, and you don't, you don't want to go through this good faith deal that we want to happen." So, and if you if you've been following, um, you know, the com- communications from people on tw- on Twitter who work mm-hmm. at Twitter, when they talk, <laughs> you know, it's sort of like. You know, when like a parent speaking to a child has to take like this exceedingly adult tone so that it can stand in contrast to the child's,
0: it almost
2: feels like that. (laughs) And um, so now Musk wants to just like walk away, clean hands. But in reality, he either has to go through the deal or he has to pay a billion dollar fee or there has to be some sort of like proof that this was a legitimate breach. But I don't see... To a court how you could make that argument given that he essentially said that he had done all the due diligence he needs to do when he made the bid for $44 billion. And frankly, okay, Twitter stock has fallen by 20, 15 to 20 something dollars, I think as of today. That is hmm. not, like I know we're like, oh, Twitter stockholders just a bunch of rich guys. Twitter is part of portfolios that yeah. people's money is in, people's money is in regular people whose monies are invested with pensions or whatever it is. Their money is invested in Twitter. So Elon Musk's fun little stunt actually affects the
0: net worth of human, of actual people. And he did this before with when he fucked around about Tesla stock and he got in trouble for it. And Tesla stock because that also
2: went down. Yeah, because he was relying on the value of the Tesla stock to like hold his own personal value in this deal. So it's just
0: an asshole. I I can't stand it. It's just it's just so it's funny to think about. And I'm sure you think about this too. Like the the care and thought. We and every woman I know puts into their social media posts on every platform, the rigorous editing, the scanning for even the slightest bit of infragility that might, that might, that might slightly unsettle a single person. And this man's just like manipulating markets like at will over and over again. I take back my statement last week. Maybe I wouldn't have kids with this man.
2: Uh, Yeah, I was still, (laughs) I was shocked when you, when you said that. Even I was trying to cause some
0: discord on the podcast. You know
2: what? There are richer people. There are richer, less assholy people. And
0: do you know what I literally did not even consider? I would have to sleep with him, which is really a, that's yeah, a real you actually, wrinkle. You know, you don't really technically have to. True. True. <laughs>
2: I'm starting on up tomorrow. He seems so, to really, you know, oh yeah,
0: yeah, that's on your mind. It's on your yeah. mind. <laughs> One thing that uh, brought me joy this weekend was the Texas woman who rejected a ticket for driving in the HOV lane because she was 32 weeks pregnant at the time. 32-year-old Brandy Baton was stopped at a checkpoint. Everybody saw this. You know, she assumed it was, I, I just read an interview with her and she was like, I assumed this checkpoint was like, you know, there was a murder on the loose or they were checking um, people's, you know, blood alcohol. But no, Texas is finest. The boys in blue were spending their days checking to make sure there wasn't more than one person in the cars going by on that lane so you know she's pointed to her stomach when she got checked and said I have a baby girl right here she's a person because I mean she, she's right the penal code in Texas recognizes a fetus as a person but there's no language in the state transportation department's code that recognizes fetus as a passenger so she told a local news station after that the officer told her he quote didn't want to deal with this and insisted that the law for HOV lanes required there to be two persons outside of the body and my favorite part about that is that quote because it's like yes make men deal with this I love the idea of like every turn making somebody be like oh god this again it's like well yes this is what you have wrought
2: that's such an interesting like grassroots way it's, it's so funny it's like I don't want to deal with this oh you don't want to deal yes, with exactly. this
0: exactly you don't want to deal with this that to me I thought exactly
2: <laughs> oh like, must sorry. be nice. I'm sorry you have to deal with my reasoning for being in the HOV lane which is such a Stupid, Stupid. Bring it up with things Ken things. Paxton, then, officer. I feel like this is something I would have maybe done if I were. Well, it's just because uh, totally.
0: I know. <laughs> I wish you had because we did sort of watch some of these ga- the gal's clips afterwards, and she was asked repeatedly and did not really say like I'm a very pro-choice woman. She said she didn't want to like take a public stand on it and that she was pro-woman. So I don't know what that means, but I mean. You know what? In the interest of casting a wider net, if these are what the moderate women feel, then this is, I'm down with this to troll, you know, to troll these, these, these elected, these officials, make them deal with it. I just love that. Like, don't want to deal with it. Exactly. It must be nice. This is what it is. This is the reality we're in.
2: You're going to catch me speeding down the HOV like, <laughs> in like two hours. When you're pregnant on purpose. Get it. Yeah. Oh, right. I'm oh, not yeah. pregnant. Fuck. annoying. Oh, you have to be pregnant. Oh, I forgot about that. I know, part. but, but you but how to know, write- how
0: would they know? Exactly. We had Rahida to write the newsletter today, and she was like, "I'm going to start when I get my period. I'm going to start claiming it as a dependent." <laughs> oh my god! I mean, because how far back can you go? This one was 32 weeks pregnant, but yeah, by their by their reasoning, it's like, can any woman Sarah? just
2: say, "I'm pregnant"? I, I'm, I'm ovulating, pregnant. and
0: I and and I had sex last night, so I don't. I think I should be in this lane, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah, just and then they're going to not want to deal with it. <laughs> That is the most, like, pathetic
2: answer. Like, if you don't want to deal with it, then just let her go. Like, then just say, then just be like, maybe this is a problem we need to solve. Like, take it seriously Mm -hmm. or shut the fuck up.
0: Mm -hmm. But this is definitely the kind of story that gets the, you know, kind of like moderate suburban white woman very um, excited about the idea of like, I don't know. I just, you know, I saw this and everywhere it had like a, a trillion likes. And we'll sort of like, you know probably get to that point again today as we talk about, you know, how how big of a net can feminism cast right now?
1: Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click
0: So let's stay on the subject of men and feminism, shall we? Mm. (laughs) Because apparently when we talk about feminism, we always end up centering men. And here we are again. (laughs) The Supreme Court decision on Roe has forced all of the nation's rational voters, all of them, which as we say a lot, is a lot of us, to reckon with the relative ineffectiveness of the Democratic Party when compared at least when compared to the anti-abortion movement's 50-year political long game to overturning Roe, and making sure that resulted in immediate abortion bans because... You know, what I've been thinking about recently is that, you know, overturning Roe didn't instantly have to be this chaos. You know, this this movement was successful and that they also got these state legislatures when they got their people in them to prioritize passing laws that were never going to go into effect. That was a very key part of this. And we've spent the last several weeks talking about how the contemporary Democratic Party may have missed opportunities to protect against the degradation of our rights. And of course, recognizing in all of this, that gerrymandering and voter suppression impacts how much we can even address these issues through voting and through democracy, which we're also probably going to address today. But first, I wanted to kind of discuss the role that feminism plays or has played in this moment and where we go from here. Sam and I both listened to an episode, another podcast, I think is going to inform this um, conversation a lot. It was Ezra Klein's podcast, his conversation with Michelle Goldberg. And so we'll start with a... um, I think this is just called the Ezra Klein podcast. Yeah. He might have a billion podcasts, but you'll find it. No, this is the, this is the, the as The Ezra Klein podcast. So the Southern Poverty Law Center released a poll last month in which they asked men of different age groups and party affiliations if they believe feminism has, quote, done more harm than good. Among Republican men under the age of 50, 62% agreed with that statement, agreed that feminism has done more harm than good. Among younger Democratic men which is really charitable for them to call them young men when they're just like under 50. So Democratic men <laughs> under 50.
1: <laughs> well,
2: trust me, they wouldn't call women under 50 young. Yeah,
0: that makes Ron DeSantis a young man. But I'll take this again so you can get the impact of this stat. Democratic men under 50, 46% of them agree that feminism has done more harm than good. 41 disagreed, 13% stated they didn't know. Just because like, so if you if you wanted to immediately go to like, oh, but 54 said they did. It's not actually that simple. So 46% of Democratic men under 50, according to this poll, believe that feminism has done more harm than good. I mean, as we talk about this, I think we should be precise. And if we think these men are really reacting to a problem with feminism or a problem with masculinity, I think they're kind of conflating them. And obviously that's not the poll's fault, but they also asked men under 50, if they think men should be respected and valued more in our society. And 65% of Republican men said that and 60% of younger Democratic men did. So implying that men currently are not valued in society to the extent they should be. And I would suspect that that's tied into the stats about feminism and they think that it has done more harm than good. So Sammy, reactions to this. How do you think like two big questions to start? Did this surprise you? and, And how do you think the men in this interpreted feminism? Okay. None of this surprises me. And Mm -hmm. I
2: actually think the numbers, if um, there was like a truth serum involved. Yeah. These are people that said on
0: the phone. Good point. I think
2: the numbers would be higher. And uh, at the risk of sounding like an angry feminist, I do just (laughs) want to- (laughs) I think you've (laughs)
0: taken that risk.
2: (laughs) Oh, I am definitely an angry feminist. And I, but I, I say that because I don't want what I'm going to say to be sort of like to sound right. as if it's coming from a place of like my own anger. Cause it's, it's actually not, I, I mean, and at this particular moment, it's not directed towards any specific person. I, I hate the idea of like weaponizing the sexes against each other. Yeah. Cause I don't really think it's helpful. And I think it puts women at a disadvantage clearly, but I do think that men are not, on the whole, we live in a very, very small bubble where like our perspectives on what equality Mm -hmm. should look like, what our interpretations of what men often think of as totally innocuous, innocent behaviors, we have such more of like an antenna for that. And I think that the average guy, they're coming from such a place of deep patriarchy. So these young men, so to speak, who were 50, they were 20 or 30 when Bill Clinton's uh, impeachment was going on. And you think about the depth of the misogyny in a situation like that, even while there were women who were running companies and women who were lawyers and there were becoming, you know, more women were in becoming, uh, were taking up higher proportions in higher education. Even as all of that was happening, the depth of the misogyny that you saw in that at like the turn of the century From women too. from Exactly. And from women, I think shows that the, we are so, so far from people having a true perspective on equality. And like yeah. to you and I, the phrase feminism just means equality between the sexes sounds trite and boring and like yeah. doesn't even need to be said- but I actually don't think that people believe that. They they don't believe it. They don't think there needs that there's any more way to go because they don't live in a woman's shoes. And they mm-hmm. don't understand. And I would say this on the whole is that people, for the most part, especially those in power positions, don't fully grasp the extent to which their position put them where they are, like their inherent position, put Mm -hmm. them where they are. And I think there's just a total lack of appreciation for that, partly coming from pride, partly coming from sexism, partly coming from just this, in a capitalist society, you cannot admit that you didn't earn what Mm. you got. Otherwise, it feels like unfounded in some way.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I never thought about capitalism as like a mitigating factor. In, yeah, and
2: I yeah, exa- and I just think that like overall, our point of view is truly quote unquote extreme within the American political spectrum of thought.
0: Right, right, and I think yeah, when these men hear feminism, they. I, they hear feminazi, they hear like what they're reading, in the Daily Mail, yeah, and the New York Post and the, meet, the oh, Me Too overreach. You know, they're not hearing like when I, I you know, paid leave, reproductive justice, <laughs> you know. Um, they're not hearing like, my wife tax will just credit. Less,
2: Or just like my wife will be less upset
0: and hate me. <laughs> you know, I, don't know. <laughs> I know. That's not really what I mean. But think about like a woman No, feminism needs a rebrand and that's hard because it's like, it's not, it's never necessarily been the feminist movement's um, choice, how people will interpret it.
2: Well, I think it's like almost, I wonder if like showing men why this would benefit them. And I think Liz Plank is probably like the preeminent thinker on this, is that men are harmed by misogyny too. And I don't even you know, you know how men and they're, and when they're older, they like don't have any friends, like old men, have yeah. notoriously no friends. Yeah. I actually think that that is a result of misogyny. I think that that is like one of the effects that people don't even like put together. And I'll, exp- I'll just explain. Cause I'm sure there are people listening who are like, why? Yeah. Um, one of the points that like Liz, that Liz Plank kind of Essential to her book is that men's lack of ability to show vulnerability, to engage with their own emotions, to share feelings, thoughts, aspirations with their own, with other men, not just with women, because of the way that a man is perceived as weak or non dominant or a beta if he is too engaged with his feelings or if he doesn't want to, in some places, engage in the quote, locker room talk. You know, it depends on where you who you hang out with, but like it goes anywhere from locker room talk to accepting Mm -hmm. that rape culture is good to like just a guy who like feels embarrassed to be too sensitive or like maybe he really likes to paint, but he never did that because, Mm -hmm. you know, and so he maybe Or feels insecure
0: about connecting too much to fatherhood or like, you know, has has, yeah, stereotypes around there. And I think, like even men, when
2: they socialize, like it's all sort of very like circumstantial, like they're not sharing like the way that women share. and i I think that men ends up lonely because of that. that's just no, 100%. totally but, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I feel like they when we talk about feminism, we're obviously talking about like gender roles need to change because women are it's costing women, but like it's costing men, it's costing men as well. Like nobody gives, you know, nobody gives men compliments. Nobody really like, you know, checks right. in on them. And I think it's cause and it's sort of like, well, yes, because you have the privilege of being able to access all of this. So of course you are fine. Um, But I saw, there was like a viral TikTok and I can't remember, you saw it too because you commented on it, but it was just like a person explaining how they had always tried really hard to like relate to men men and understand what it was like to be a man and the challenges of being a man. And they had realized like, no man has ever, ever done that for us. Like they don't really sit around. Like I think I have, I've seen many allies sort of putting themselves in that, in that scenario. But um, yeah, but men definitely, it sounds like for this poll, men are hearing feminism and they're thinking, I don't like feminism because it costs me something.
2: I, I do want to share something else. I was, I was, re, so a, I didn't read this book, but I was reading about this book. It's from, I think it's from like the 90s called, it was called, it's by this, um a woman named Nora Vincent It's called Self-Made Man. And she basically did an, she wrote a book on this experiment she did where she disguised herself as a man for 18 months. And she like learned how to move like a man and like look like basically like, was just cosplaying as a man so that she could understand what it was like mm-hmm. and she kind of i i don't i i just want to preface that i don't really know much about like this woman and i don't know the whole story but i was reading the summary of like her mm-hmm. results and basically she felt a lot more sympathetic to men and one thing she mentioned was like men don't get compliments if men fail there's no safety net it's like you know how if women mess up, it's like, oh, poor, we'll help you, like we'll take care yeah. of you. Like that does not exist in the male world. So there's like no forgiveness for that. Um, you know, she talked about like getting turned down by women like in dating. I'm like, okay, well, I don't really feel that bad about that. But but the the, the other things where it's sort of like you're just kind of given no leeway. I don't think any people really deserve that, even if mm-hmm. you have been handed lots of privilege and also like lots of Men haven't. Right. And
0: and if you're not, you'll be resentful, which is what we're seeing. Like, not even just in terms of these young Democratic men who I'm sure are not the same men shooting up schools. Yeah. I think we're kind of talking about the same, like sort of oversight and and thing that's not being addressed. And again, like behind all of this conversation, like it is not women's jobs to address all of men's insecurities. Like just oh, no. behind all of that, that is, that is addressed. But it's like we're literally talking about this because we need to get these men on board with feminism.
2: <laughs> well well I'm just trying to say I'm just trying yeah. to like give a real like a real assessment of who we are talking about and how yeah. they really must feel. Not yeah. that I agree with this or I'm excusing it. I, like, no. But to understand how to get at people on your side, you need to know
0: what they really feel. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I think this is also an issue with, you know, women coming into feminism. And like Michelle Goldberg was saying in this episode, a terrifying line, which is also very true that I just haven't thought about much. But like there isn't really a super effective up feminist political movement right now like we talked about at the beginning, it doesn't feel like there's a a, no. a group that was able, you know, you have the groups that are literally providing the services. But, you know, we've just sort of had the privilege of thinking, you know, we're somewhat equal and these sort of have been have been kind of fractured. And I'm not going to get into the whole thing about like what alienates some women from feminism, but there is quite a lot. And when you think feminism is some, you know, somebody yelling at you on Facebook for using the wrong pronouns accidentally or maybe on purpose because that's what you feel strongly about. It's like, we all are going to be at different places with that. But, you know, another aspect of this is that like, okay, if feminism, the idea is feminism is already unpopular and feminism is what's associated with like equal rights for women. Then we need to make this movement of equal rights for women, unfortunately, maybe a little bit more welcoming. And like, I, it actually hurt me to say that. And I do think that is sexist. I do think that it is unfortunate that the political movement for women's rights is going to have to sort of like potentially water itself down in order to re- to restore some of our rights. But I'm starting to feel like that might need to be what ha- what happens.
2: Well, it's it's interesting because I mean the you know the, the welcomingness of it all I think is its own conversation. But I wonder if there's a way to like almost get around the feminism, not feminism issue. It just feels like a roadblock. I think there is, yeah. It feels to me like a roadblock in front of- everything. It's like a wall that I just want to like run into and smash, which is this conversation about feminism which doesn't actually fucking get anyone anything. It doesn't get women longer paid leave after they have a baby. It doesn't get men more parental leave so they can help when there is a baby. Like it doesn't uh, the conversation of do you like feminism and I I know we're having it is is not one that's actually going to win anyone any benefits or rights which is why I've been thinking about I think the like feminism conversation like at this point I've had a long relationship with the word feminist I used to be like oh I don't want to use it you know it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's it's divisive like long many years ago like decade ago yeah. like now and now I'm like I'm proud to be a feminist but I understand that that it, it doesn't always win people and I think what if there is like a different angle that we take And the angle is, like, pro-democracy, pro-rights, pro-equality. Like, ultimately, if you have people focusing on reproductive rights and people focusing on civil rights and people focusing on gun violence, Mm, all of those could be answered by putting policies and voting and who is elected more proportionally in the hands of individuals. Like... You only have to worry about these siloed issues because mm-hmm. overall, where no one's getting what they want on any I know. issue.
0: I know a lot of these like internal sort of like negotiations we always have and we talk about that. Like, there's a lot. I know it just to take it back like I haven't had an actual conversation about feminism or the word or if it's good years. in a years years just because it's sort of like been assumed so I sort of like yeah I think that poll is of limited use and I'm not gonna look into it I mean certainly I know that you know 60% of my male Democratic friends do not or <laughs> <are laughs> a greater percent believe in this Yes. <laughs> One interesting part about that before we, we pivot to the democracy part is that one thing Michelle Goldberg said that really stuck with me was that, you know, we don't, th- our society doesn't like aging women or aging femininity. And um, she suggested that that has been kind of super um, imposed onto the idea of feminism. And there's just sort of like this, this ire that we have towards it because it's like, ugh, we hate older women. Like we hate their old ideas. And there's just this like, you know, internal ire, external ire. And yeah, it's sort of like we've been trying to tell them for, you know, twenty years, it's just equal rights and it and it hasn't really worked. And it has caused a lot of these constant fights among each other because whenever we have, you know, another catastrophe where we're like, how did this happen, even though we won all those elections, and then we blame the feminists or we blame the people love to blame um the police reform people or people love to blame the teach race in schools people. And it's actually none of these things, as you said, Sammy. It's actually that our democracy is broken. There's nothing actually, uh, you can say a lot about the Democrats approach and I think a lot needs to be said, but we are having to like figure out this sort of like perfect Frankenstein of a platform because of how fucked democracy is. Do you think that a candidate, I assume we're talking about like for president, could could communicate this in a compelling way?
2: I think the entire Democratic Party up from the dog catcher to the president should be talking about an, a pro democracy platform. They should be talking about it on every level. They should be translating to why pro democracy for the dog catcher is just as important as being pro democracy yeah. for the president. Why the dog catcher being being a pro democracy candidate is a better is is necessary is that is the deal breaker whether you are pro democracy or not. And I I just think at this point Democrats are too divided that a coalition there will never be one. There will never be one. You no. can see even a week after Ro- Roe v. Wade, it took a week for things to explode over pronouns due to a due to an op-ed in the New York Times that didn't need to be published. But who am mm-hmm. I to say what should or shouldn't be published in the New York Times? So then again, you just end up with these groups that are never going to form a coalition. That will be maybe they could form one, like we'll all vote for the same person, but they will never form an effective political coalition. So I kind of am the feeling like, start over. Like you got to start over. Everyone needs to be on the same page, pro-democracy. You will get the policies you want. It's in the name. It's great. Everybody should be on the pro And also that should be more binding than small nuances in beliefs about do we cancel $10,000 of student loan debt or do we cancel $50,000 of student loan? Who cares? I'm not literally saying who cares because I I know know that 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 matters for the actual human beings who need the debt to be canceled. But my point is we are in such a dire state that nothing's going to get canceled. Nothing is, you know, there will be no democracy. (laughs) You're going to get nothing. Exactly. (laughs) So it's like everyone needs to get on the same page, forget about these minutiae. And say, we are going pro-democracy. We are here for the American people. We are here to show them that their rights and their their desires can be voted for and that they can... Because what is happening now is just vote suppression across the board, whether you're engaged, whether you're not engaged, because there's no path. There's no clear path. There's no answer. There's no even like minor action, there's nothing for people to believe in. Not necessarily. There's naturally, nothing for yeah. people to tell their friends, this is why I'm gonna vote for these candidates. And it's it's just such an utter shame, is really like all I have to say. And that's why you saying welcoming, forget welcoming, strategic, winning. Winning. Yes. And like winning on yeah. something that we all agree that is valid and we believe in, which is that the laws and policies and representatives of the people should be reflective of the people.
0: Yeah, I think an approach, and okay, before I say this, I think there are some rights that should not be left up to the people. Like if, if interracial marriage had been left up to the people, we would have had that a lot later. But I think a potential approach for abortion, and this, this does leave out, this does abandon some women, but what could be effective, and I'm not saying that like casually, is like instead of fighting publicly about how late Democrats want abortion, be like, this is up to you you in Florida, Florida voters, I think overall want abortion access probably at 15 weeks or after. And if you can communicate to them, like this isn't about when Democrats think it's appropriate to end a pregnancy. This is about when this is about how like your ability to make that decision in your state, they've taken it away from you and you have a chance to like give it back. So in Mississippi, that will be fucked. They might say no abortion. And then like, some states might say fine. And like, I don't know, it could be a whole patchwork, but I think if you can, and it's not just abortion, but if you can sort of approach issues as, instead of arguing among factions about these like minutia, it's like, let's argue about the fact that like, you can act, it's, we're, we're getting so worked up because we, we feel so powerless because we are powerless. But if we can somehow communicate, like you can take that power back. You tell, you, don't don't listen to us telling you what to do. Like you decide and tell your elected representatives. We think you're right. They're just like, everything's rigged.
2: The first most annoying thing for me these days is like, obviously, watching right-wing talking points about reproduction. But then the second most annoying thing is watching Democrats fight about talking points about, around reproduction.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: the thing is, it's not like people also don't understand. It's not that the representative democracy is going to get you the thing you want, or it's always going to exactly reflect the the ideals of the people at any given time. But what was... What is happening now is literally minority rule. Yeah. Like, there needs to be a few key words that people need to be understanding, and that is that like you vote for the Democrats to get out from under minority rule. We pr- we pass safeguards and guardrails around our democracy, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, and what was the other one, Voting for the People Act. A- those yeah, yeah. Would have like if that had been the sole focus that would have been something worth focusing on because then you Mm -hmm. pass that and then what happens after that is you focus on what that enables you to do because all the people are voting. They're able to vote. And yeah, I don't know. That's just why I can't help but see democracy as like the fundamental problem.
0: Right, I agree. And it's just causing a lot of like unnecessary infighting when we know that the country is on Democrats, I'm doing quote side on this issue. So it's like if we can communicate to them that like your your ability to make these decisions has been taken away, and unfortunately, this is the only party—not unfortunately, fortunately—that is that is providing us that. Like, I think I'd rather do that than have to fucking defend you know partial birth abortion for years and years, which is like very rare and not like really something that we all need to be talking about and and making the country think is happening all the time. You know, like it's they're they're setting the terms for the abortion conversation about it being a, and when really like. It's a democracy conversation.
2: Okay. Like, you know how Republicans can are so good at taking terms and turning them into like overnight? Yes. It's critical race theory. Like, okay, you took an obscure legal term and you turned it into the devil incarnate. And mm-hmm. that happened basically within a week before you knew it. That was what everyone was talking about. Democrats yep. need to figure out
0: what is their term? What is their hire some snappy consultant who names like I don't know who names the nail polishes at Essie and get some get some scary sounding terms. Minority rule should do it but maybe we need to No, no, no. To make Minority it sound rule
2: doesn't sound scary enough at this point it's mm-hmm. gotta be way scarier <laughs>
0: it's, just, <laughs> it's gotta be way scarier that is that is our task that will be our that is our assignment for you today audience Is come up with a really scary way to say minority rule i mean i think it's fascism too right like basically yeah creeping, but, creeping. They
2: to, but they need to introduce a new term at this point because yeah. the others it needs to be something that sounds like novel and novel and mm-hmm. uh
0: People like people are smart. Like, millennial they learned pink it. for yeah, yes, yeah. Right. Like you're yeah. smart
2: because you learned it, and now you the think zeitgeisty. you have the solution, and it's like it becomes important. Ask that. Republicans.
0: Ask Liz Cheney. Truly, Julie, just hire maybe yeah. Democrats can hire one of those think tanks. Why not? Ugh, that was a fun Hire combo, fun us. cathartic combo. Us. Truly, I mean we're all we're all ready. You can pay us next to nothing and we'll help you save the country. Anyway. Yeah, I'm,
2: I'm, I'm, you can pick my brain on a phone call for yeah. 15 minutes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Better Sub Podcast. Bye.